if you're new to this whole world of baby led weaning and starting solid foods, you might still be on the fence as to whether this approach is going to work for you. And if that's the case, I want to send you my free feeding guide called Will Baby Led Weaning Work for My Baby? This is a guide that contains a decision tree map that you can work your way through to determine if this is the right approach for you guys and then when it's time to start. Grab your copy of Will Baby Led Weaning Work for My Baby on my website at babyledweaning.co slash resources. I was doing my breakfast dishes this morning, turned the garbage disposal on, and then heard that terrible noise when you know something is in the disposal, but like you can totally tell the damage has already been done. Sure enough, it was an easy peasy tiny spoon, totally shredded, which if I've learned anything about these baby lead weaning spoons from Easy Peasy is that the garbage disposal and the dog both love them. And I was bummed because it's one of my favorite colors that they make, the light gray line, which is called pewter. But my garbage disposal disaster, I guess it came at just the right time because Easy Peasy is having their annual Mother's Day sale from this Friday to Sunday, so May 10th to 12th. You can get 20% off all of the Easy Peasy feeding gear with the affiliate discount code BLWMOM on orders of $50 or more. So this is a great time to stock up at 20% off because my regular Easy Peasy code is usually only for 10% off. So this bump up to 20% off is nice, but it's just for three days. So head to easypeasyfun.com to grab tiny spoons, their tiny cups, and the best suction mats and bowls for baby lead weaning. They have a really cool new bundle maker on their website if you want to group or piece a few items together or If you just don't want to think about it, then just grab one of the Easy Peasy First Foods sets. It has everything you need to give your baby a safe start to solid foods with baby led weaning. That code is BLWMOM for 20% off Easy Peasy orders of $50 or more now through Sunday, May 12th at easypeasyfun.com. And happy Mother's Day to you. So when you think about traditional fermented foods, let's think of sauerkraut, for example. The first thing that comes to mind is like, yeah, it's a great way to make cabbage soft, but it also involves so much sodium. But you can actually modify even homemade sauerkrauts to make lower salt versions so a baby can have this fermented food safely. Hey there, I'm Katie Ferraro, registered dietitian, college nutrition professor, and mom of seven specializing in baby led weaning. Here on the Baby Led Weaning Made Easy podcast, I help you strip out all of the noise and nonsense about feeding leaving you with the confidence and knowledge you need to give your baby a safe start to solid foods using baby-led weaning. Hey guys, welcome back. Today we're talking about fermented foods and can babies safely eat fermented foods? We'll talk a little bit about what those foods are, what the potential health benefits are, any safety concerns, drawbacks, and then what foods under the fermented foods umbrellas you know, your baby might benefit from eating. Now, I like to start each of these mini baby led weaning training episodes with a quick story. And today's story is just that I basically went down the biggest rabbit hole on fermented foods in the weaning diet of different cultures around the world. I I don't do this very often, but I felt like I was back in like public health school and reading these like really old World Health Organization documents from the mid 1990s. But it's fascinating how other cultures utilize this food preservation method and have for decades and generations. And sometimes fermented foods kind of get this like hippy dippy, crunchy kind of alternative medicine vibe, I guess is the only way I can describe it. But yet this is actually one of the oldest technologies used for food preservation. It's an incredibly affordable technology and fermented foods have been used in parts of the world where historically refrigeration and other food preservation methods were not available. So let's talk a little bit about fermented foods, what they are, again, who's used them historically some ideas and lists of fermented foods and how you might incorporate them in your baby's weaning diet if you are so inclined and then what to look out for. So 
with no further ado, fermented foods and can babies safely eat them? So as I mentioned, fermented foods, one of the oldest technologies used for food preservation, okay? And this is the biochemical modification of food products brought about by microorganisms and their enzymes, okay? And why might you ferment a food? Well, historically, from a food safety standpoint, to make certain perishable items last for a longer period than they might otherwise have lasted when you don't have refrigeration or other food preservation methods. So fermentation has been used to enhance properties like taste of foods, aroma, shelf life, texture, nutritional value. And when we're looking at fermentation on the whole, it's generally at the household level, lactic acid fermentation, this natural process that's brought about by the lactic acid that's already present in the raw foods, or you might have it derived from a starter culture. And we'll talk about some of the different examples of this around the world. But in these like old school World Health Organization reports, like so old that they were like photocopies of like really old printed Word documents it looked like, so you couldn't search anything, so I had to read them. But like, I really enjoyed just reading about some of the different cultures around the world. And for example, in Tanzania, these yeasts that are used to help ferment certain uh, root vegetables. So for example, cassava or manioc. This is a food staple for people in many developing countries, particularly in most parts of Africa, a very energy dense root crop that is a you know bitter food that could be potentially toxic because of cyanide content. But if you ferment that cassava, it becomes a product that's not only safe to eat, but again, energy dense. And it's a product that's generally introduced in certain parts of Africa to children, usually after age one, and then becomes a major part of the diet. So it's kind of interested, obviously, in the six to 12 month period, as you can imagine, there's not a ton of research that's out there on the benefits or safety or efficacy of these foods. But I just kind of wanted to talk through this idea of fermented foods. So I mentioned particularly in Africa, fermentation of certain foods, like in Tanzania, making, for example, a fermented beverage, which, you know, a lot of alcoholic beverage, alcohol is essentially a product of fermentation. We've got to avoid the alcohol production, of course, some of the undesirable gassiness that can occur. There's some modifications we need to make for infants. But in other parts of the world, for example, meat and wheat and dairy food products have been fermented for generations using lactic acid bacteria and molds and yeasts performed all over the world, Europe, Australia, North America, South America. People on the African continent generally are fermenting root vegetables and milk. In Asia, populations tend to ferment vegetables like soybeans and rice and fish, as well as substrates for the production of lots of different alcoholic beverages like sake and then you know condiments such as fish sauces. Other parts of the world have used it, as I mentioned, for preserving foods. Okay, so it's customary in certain African countries to give infants fermented rice cereals or root crop products. These are alternatives to, again, not having the conventional methods of food preservation like cold storage or alternatively dehydration or canning, etc. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. If you've been thinking about giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's a convenient, flexible, affordable, and entirely online experience. All you do is just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can also switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. I used to think therapy was just for people who have experienced major trauma, but therapy can help you be at your best no matter what you're going through. So whether it's to learn new positive coping skills, set more realistic boundaries, or just show up as a better version of yourself, BetterHelp is here to help. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. 
If you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can help you get there and BetterHelp can help you. Visit betterhelp.com slash weaning today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash weaning and get 10% off your first month. So prior to refrigeration, this was one of the few ways to preserve food. And we're thinking about foods in case you're like not familiar with, you know, different fermented foods. Cheese and yogurt, sauerkraut, kimchi, olives, salami, jerky, even certain types of bread, beverages like wine and beer, okay, obviously coffee, hot chocolate. These are all examples of fermented foods, some of which are more appropriate for infants than others. And the process is simply when you ferment the foods, the natural bacteria in those foods, like let's take vegetables, for example, they break down the compounds of those vegetables, it actually makes forms that are a little bit easier to digest. So in that regard, we might be interested in their benefits for infant nutrition. There's two types of fermentation. You can either do it through a brine, okay, which is, of course, often higher in salt. And so one of the primary limitations of offering infants fermented foods is the concern about salt, right? If you've been learning about baby led weaning or infant feeding or listening to the podcast for any length of time, you know that we avoid adding salt. So it doesn't mean that all fermented foods are off limits, but certainly those heavily salted brined ones would be less desirable because we don't want babies to be exposed to high levels of excess sodium. So in order to reduce sodium, you can opt for the other option there, fermented foods created through the culture process. So things like yogurt or kefir, sourdough bread, if you're ready to tackle breads, even fermented coconut water once the baby starts consuming more fluids outside of infant milk. We, of course, don't want to displace that all-nutritious breast milk or infant formula that provides the majority of baby's nutrition, especially early on in baby-led weaning. So what sort of foods are fermented? List of foods that might work for baby led weaning. Kefir is one that's mentioned quite regularly. So kefir is a drink made from fermented cow's milk or goat's milk or sheep's milk. It has kind of a sour taste. So we'll look at some of the benefits of including fermented foods in the infant diet to some degree. And the introduction of sour foods, you know, there's not a ton of foods under the sour food umbrella, but we want to expose baby to a variety of foods and flavors and tastes and textures. And so kefir, um, you can get whole milk. I was just looking up like examples, like just something you could order on Amazon, right? An organic kefir from Amazon that's a full fat milk. So made out of whole milk, right? Because we don't do reduced fat milk products for babies. It's kind of like if you don't, I know a lot of people don't love the taste of regular Greek yogurt or regular yogurt. It's a little sour, but the kefir taste would be kind of like a drinkable yogurt that's a little bit on the sour side. Fermented sweet potatoes is another example. Um, applesauce to some degree can be fermented and still safe for babies to eat. Sauerkraut is one that comes to mind. I know we had a German au pair who lived with our family for two years, Julia, and she was just recently back visiting and she was like, where's the sauerkraut? And had to go out and get sauerkraut. I forgot she loved to have sauerkraut. I actually found, and people have asked a lot about cabbage. I actually do not have cabbage listed on my 100 first foods list. Sauerkraut is a way to make cabbage soft. However, generally due to the high quantities of sodium in commercial sauerkraut, it's not a food that I've traditionally fed, but I was in my rabbit hole that I went down for preparation on this episode. I found this like another old school recipe, like from the cooking light days, a salt free sauerkraut recipe from cooking light. So if you are like, you are really experimental in your kitchen, I'm going to share that link in the show notes page for this episode at blwpodcast.com. Just search fermented foods. I'm basically using instead of a lot of salt, a half a teaspoon of celery seeds and half a teaspoon of black pepper and then using a lot of filtered water because without the sodium, the cabbage isn't going to release as much liquid. It's kind of a pretty cool recipe. So potential health benefits of these fermented foods, okay? There is, in looking through the research, and again, I'll link all of these research articles 
in the show notes for you. If you're interested, there's the thought that they said fermented foods may help relieve GI discomforts. Okay. Um, in particular, there's been a fair amount of research done on the use of fermented foods for the alleviation of diarrheal disease. Okay. And this is primarily in the developing world where diarrheal disease still remains the number one killer of infants worldwide. And a lot of times that's due to contaminated water and other pathogens in the food supply. So in place of oral rehydration solution, which is oftentimes used to help restore electrolyte balance and health in severely dehydrated children suffering from diarrheal disease, the potential of fermented foods is there. But again, there's limited available evidence to suggest that it's like going to be a primary way to treat diarrheal disease. Okay. Digestive ease. There is this notion that with the fermented foods, carbohydrate digestibility improves. So there's these certain oligosaccharides, which are these huge sugars that we find in certain starchy foods. For example, prevalent in things like legumes. Like if you've ever had like lentils or kidney beans or lots of dried peas and beans and you had a ton of gas after, it's because as humans, we do have more difficulty digesting these extra, extra big sugar molecules. And so the fermentation process can actually improve the digestive capacity. Okay. Now, um, we know that these foods are safe for babies to eat as well, provided that they're cooked, right? We never serve like undercooked or uncooked legumes to babies. Um, there's also compounds in foods like tannins and phytates found in whole grains and teas that are known to be inhibitors to iron absorption. So the thought is that with fermentation, um, some of the protein digestibility improves and that also can improve the, the human body's ability to absorb iron from those foods. Although again, like there aren't specific studies that have been done in infants. Um, there's the potential destruction of parasites during fermentation. So there's food safety concerns. I mean, there's a whole body of literature looking at the benefits that these fermented foods can promote gut health, okay, in your gut microbiome and your microbiota. And um, we actually had a really, really cool episode that I did about the microbiome and food allergy development. Um, Liam Omani from Ireland was on. He's a leading expert in the microbiome area. And he was talking in episode 202. It's called Gut Check microbiome and food allergy development with Liam Omani, talking a little bit about this relationship about the development of the microbiome in infants. If you're interested in that, go listen to that. And then also back in episode 108, um, we did a whole interview about probiotics and should your baby be taking probiotics. I had James and Dahlia Marin, who are a registered dietitian, husband, wife team from Married to Health. They do all gut health and they came on to talk about pros and cons of probiotic use in infants. So that's another episode to check out. And that's number 108. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So back to the potential benefits of these. It does extend to the baby's microbiome. And again, probably the area I would say where the most research is being done. I found a pretty cool guidance document for fermented food guidelines for children. I'll share that in the show notes if you're interested, if you are a home cook or a fermented food experimenter in your home kitchen and you want to be trying out some of these recipes with your baby. I think one of the benefits of these foods is the flavor development option, right? This opportunity to offer sour foods, right? The notion that offering children a variety of foods, especially early on in that flavor window, broadens their palates. And sour is an important flavor that we don't always have the opportunity to introduce baby to. So I was looking at one research study that was kind of saying, trying to say outright that 
using fermented foods with that sour flavor can reduce the baby's affinity for sweet flavors later on. But then when you kind of dig down into the research and see what citations they're citing there, it was a study that was looking at like obese adult men. And I'm not exactly sure that extrapolates to infants. Like, is there a primary reason to offer these foods so that your baby doesn't like sweet foods down the road? I think we look at the benefits of trying lots of different flavors, including sour foods and fermented foods can let us do that. So as far as drawbacks go, um, there are definitely types of toxic compounds that have been identified in certain fermented dairy products, some mycotoxin produced by different like fermented mushrooms and other vegetables. As far as food safety goes, it's not going to undo if there's any contamination, fermenting the food is not going to undo the potential harm there. So we still need to take basic food safety precautions when preparing these foods. If you're making them at home, like washing your produce and washing your hands, cutting your you know, utensils and the fresher the vegetables, food scientists agree, the better. Um, and there's a lot of information out there about food safety for, you know, preparing fermented foods properly at home. And I know some people are, I used to teach in the nurse practitioner program at UC San Francisco. And I remember one year we would have this uh, multicultural potluck where you would bring in, I was teaching a cultural foods class and you would bring in a dish from a food culture from around the world. And we would do this potluck, which sounds insane, like in the post COVID era that you just used to eat like random foods that people in your class brought in. But I remember this one student was like, a fermented foods guru. And she brought like every book and she was all about the fermented foods. Like it was definitely her thing. And she was kind of extolling all the benefits. And there is, you know, a little bit of research to um, support this, but certainly some concerns about food safety. Um, there is the potential for botulism. Okay. So the World Health Organization cautions and reminds us that homemade canned and preserved or fermented foodstuffs are a common source of foodborne botulism and their preparation does require extra caution. So in the event that you're sourcing some fermented foods from your babies. What are some foods that would work for baby led weaning? Okay, I mentioned kefir, um, that drink made from fermented milk of cows, goats, or sheep. Um, like you can get coconut kefir out there if you don't do dairy products. Fermented sweet potatoes, there's actually some pretty cool recipes for making those with minimal amounts of sodium. Um, this salt-free sauerkraut, if you are so inclined. Um, the list kind of goes on and on. I have historically kind of tended away from some of the more traditional fermented foods like sauerkraut because of the sodium levels. But I would be interested to hear from you guys if you're doing any fermented foods for your babies, why you're doing it for the perceived health benefits. What safety precautions if, do you recommend if you're doing this in your own home kitchen? And then what sort of foods are you fermenting that your baby can't eat? I think there are some limited benefits, but really when you look deep down in the research, it's kind of saying across the board, especially for infants, there's no like blanket, do not do this or yes, definitely do this kind of do this if you think it fits into the way that your family eats, if these are your cultural foods, if this is something you want to explore, but is it kind of a, you know, one size fits all and all babies are going to have better gut health if they try these fermented foods? No, certainly the data is not there to support that. So I'll link to all the resources that I shared in this episode on the podcast show notes, which you can find at blwpodcast.com slash 267. Thanks for hanging out to talk about fermented foods for babies. From the terrifying power of tornadoes to sizzling summer temperatures, AccuWeather Daily brings you the top trending weather-related story of the day, seven days a week. You can learn a lot in just a few minutes with stories about impending hurricanes, winter storms, or even what not to miss in the night sky. So listen and subscribe to AccuWeather Daily wherever you get your podcasts. That's AccuWeather Daily wherever you get your podcasts.